Great to be with you. Uh, for those of you that are here in person, and great to join all of you online. If you are new with us today, my name is Kevin, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Greenbelt Church. And you know, and I say this a lot, and and I I really mean it from the bottom of my heart. Just how much I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, I love being a part of a church um, where all the responsibility and all the weight and all the pressure is not just on the pastor. <laughs> Sadly, I know too many of my friends who work in those type of environments for somehow there's this idea that only the pastor knows how to do anything and everyone else just just waits for the pastor to make a decision. I'm so grateful for the body of Christ here, everyone using their gifts and their talents and their abilities just to build one another up. And I just want to give a quick shout out and a thank you, and he's going to hate me for doing this, but thank you, Chris, for all of your hard work. Um, Christmas Eve almost imploded and died on us, but Chris kind of, you know, worked with Paul and just did an amazing job doing all the tech stuff and figuring out all the back, you know, background stuff, and he put in tons of hours. So thank you so much, Chris, for your service. And again, I just really appreciate everyone and how everyone serves. It's just awesome to watch that uh, happen. So today uh, we are in week two of our sermon series called No Offense. This is a topical series that we're doing over five weeks. Um, I came up um, uh, not that I came up with this idea, is that um, I saw this idea. I use a, a resource from time to time that's put out by Life Church, where they make resources available for for free for churches and pastors. And they had put resources together on this topic. And as I went through it oh, several months ago, um, it was in a season where I was kind of struggling with anger. <laughs> when I was personally dealing with, you know, I'm sick and tired of this pandemic. I'm sick and tired of all these regulations and these guidelines and all this stuff that's kind of being put on everybody. I'm getting tired of it. And, and more and more and more anger was starting to come out in my own heart and in my own life. And so that's why I kind of went through this on my own as my own personal devotional time to really help me personally. And then again, this was about six, seven, eight months ago, somewhere around there. And then we pit, and then put this on the preaching calendar for now. Well, I never would have imagined that I would start this series personally again in lockdown in isolation, <laughs> especially being the one person in my family who was healthy. Everyone in my family got COVID but me. Everybody was sick but me. But I'm the one who had the biggest government a lockdown put on out of the four of us. And it's just like when you're in that kind of a situation going, but, but I'm fine. There's, I don't even have a runny nose. I've got nothing, nothing. And you're sitting there going, okay, God, what do you want to do in those moments? And there were some times over the last 14 days, if I'm really, really honest, where I was starting to get really, really mad at those people. And I put that in air quotes because um, all of us at some point in our lives have to deal with those people. And maybe for you, 
It's people that you've had in your life over the last little while who are very critical. Maybe it's some people in your life who are very controlling. Maybe it's some people who are arrogant, people who are mean, people who act like they know everything and you know nothing. (laughs) Whatever it is for you, at some point in our Christian journey, we have to learn to deal with those people. Again, just in the own, my own situation I found myself in over the last couple of weeks, I'm, I'm trying. I, I'm the type of guy, I want to do what's right. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I want to do what's right. But then you talk to this person, you get this information. You talk to this person, you get this information. You go onto this website, you get this information. You go back to the same website, and it's been changed four times, it feels like, in 48 hours. And it's like, ah, these people are driving me mental. Well, as followers of Jesus, who are called to live lives of love, and of grace, and of mercy, how are we supposed to deal with those people? That's what I want us to talk about today, and we're going to camp out in a text in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to open that up. If you use the YouVersion Bible app, you can open that up. And if you go to the events tab, you should find Greenbelt Church in there, and you can follow along in the outline uh, there as well through the YouVersion Bible app. So Ephesians chapter 4 is what I'm going to look at today. And this is, in this section of the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in the city of Ephesus, and he's talking about Christian living. And, and he puts this big correlation between your faith in Jesus should change how you live your life. What you believe about God, what you believe about God's salvation for humanity... And by the truth of accepting God's salvation, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, comes into you, makes you his dwelling place, when you become that new creation, the evidence of faith is a life that starts to look different. Not through our own power, but through the power of God. And so Paul is, though he's been talking about faith, he's been talking about maturing in our faith, maturing as the body of Christ early on in in the book of Ephesians. And then he goes in and he gives instructions for Christian living. What does Christian living look like? So I'm going to read uh, down at the bottom of chapter 4, verse uh, 26. So in verse 26 of chapter 4, it says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. I'm just going to skip down to verse 29 as it continues on this theme of anger and the people around us. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And then again, just skip down here to verse 31, where it says, get rid, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, 
Just as in Christ, God forgave you. And some of these verses here are very familiar to a lot of us. These are these, I, I call these one the fridge magnet verses. These are the ones that if you go to a Christian bookstore and you find some little plaque, you, these ones are usually these, these plaque verses, these magnet verses. These are the ones that we get kids to memorize in Sunday school. And they're very, very easy to kind of brush over because they are so incredibly familiar. In your anger, do not sin. It's a verse that a lot of us know by heart as followers of Jesus. It's a, lo- it's a verse that a lot of us quote a lot. And really, it's a verse that a lot of us use, myself included, use to justify our anger. Because this verse appears to give us permission to be angry. Because it says, in your anger, do not sin. And so I'm going to go and go deep into my anger, but I'm not sinning, right? When I'm stomping around in my boxer shorts, trapped in my house all by myself, ranting and raving at the government and the decisions that are being made by people who I've never met and will probably never meet in my entire life. I'm not sinning when I'm doing that. I'm not sinning when I'm going on social media and reading all these incredibly angry posts from people who are saying exactly what I'm feeling, but I don't have the guts to post this stuff because people will see it. That's not sin, right? (laughs) You see, we take this verse, in your anger, do not sin, to give us freedom to do things that God actually doesn't give us freedom to do. And so we have to be very, very mindful of what the Bible actually teaches about anger and how we respond to those people. So the big idea that I want us to unpack together today from this text is this. The big idea is being offended is inevitable. In the world that we live in, in the situation that we live in, in this culture that we live in, in this pandemic that we're living in, all of this stuff, being offended is inevitable. But living offended is a choice. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. Again, so let's just look here at this passage in Ephesians chapter 4. Again, let's look at this, this idea of in your anger, do not sin. What does this verse kind of tell us about anger? Well, I talked about this a little bit last week as we kicked this series off, and I said that we were going to go deeper into this because it is crucial. It's so crucial, I believe, as followers of Jesus to have a good, solid, biblical understanding of anger because (laughs) because I've been dealing with a lot of anger over the last couple of years. So I have studied a lot on this topic. I've read a lot of books, a lot of commentaries, a lot of study notes, a lot of verses on this topic to help me deal with my own heart as we've wrestled with so many issues over the last two years, right? And one of the first things I love about this verse, and I did talk about this a little bit last week, is that... Um, this permission here in Ephesians chapter 4 to be angry is so incredibly temporary. It's so temporary. It's, it's like at maximum 24 hours. And in reality, it's not even really 24 hours because it says when the sun goes down. 
Now, here in Canada, in our part of the world at this time of year, what time does the sun go down? Pretty early. Like 5.30 p.m., it's dark. So if you got offended at 4 p.m., you have an hour and a half to deal with this, according to the teaching of God's Word. You don't even have 24 hours to deal with this. And, and this is a biblical concept that we can see in so many different places that God seems to want us to deal with our offenses right away. That when people hurt us, it's not to, well, I'm going to go and stomp off. and I'm going to wait seven years before I talk to that person again. God seems to be very mindful and really has this desire for us to deal with this stuff quickly, to not let it linger, right? And so why do you think that is? Why do you think God wants us to deal with this stuff quickly? Well, again, Ephesians chapter 4 here gives us the answer. It says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Why? Because you give the devil a foothold in your life. Think about that for a moment. When we let anger stick around for too long, we give the devil a foothold. Now, the Greek word here that's translated uh, in my version of the Bible here for foothold, there's some other words that other translations use that I think are even more powerful. Some English translations will say a place. Other translations I like even better. It says, do not give the devil a room. Now, over the last 14 days, we've had to completely redesign our house <laughs> because the way we had to do quarantine because, you know, Cameron and, and Danielle, they had COVID and I didn't have COVID. So they had to go to one part of the house and I had to be in another part of the house and they weren't allowed to contaminate the part of the house that I was in. So I was on the main floor sleeping in the dining room and I had to cook all the food and prepare and leave all the food at the top of the stairs for them because we had to make sure we weren't cross-contaminating anything and I was the healthy person. So I had access to the food in the kitchen. And so we prepared a room upstairs for Danielle and Cameron so they could live and have a nice life for the 10 days they were in isolation. You know, we, we set up the TV and I, and I threw like the, the lazy board boy chairs up the stairs and then Cameron caught them at the top of the stairs and set up this really nice, comfortable room for them. And they could sit there and relax and have all the food that I was preparing for them. We had this really nice room. And for me, that's a picture of this. Think of maybe you have a really nice spare room in your house that you keep really nice for guests when they come to visit you and stay with you. That room is this special place that you use for, for special things. And here the scriptures tell us when we let anger stick around for too long, we are giving the devil, our spiritual enemy, a room in our heart. Why would we as followers of Jesus ever, ever, ever want to give our spiritual enemy a place? a room, a foothold in our heart. This is why this temporary thing is so crucial in here, because anger that lingers has a way of becoming a little bit more permanent. 
It becomes the house guest that never leaves. The person who keeps staying, even though they're well past their welcome. And so, again, like many of us, we've all had to struggle dealing with those people over the last couple of years. But we have to be so mindful that we're not twisting this verse to give us permission to dwell in anger. Especially when you unpack anger, again, in so many other places. And again, as I've studied this over the last two years, and I've read so many books on this topic, and listened to so many speakers on this topic, there's a lot of division among Christians when it comes to anger. A lot of division. And sadly, I think it's more because we want to defend our anger more than what the Word of God actually says. Because when I study the Word of God, there's only three times in the entire Bible where I find that anger is okay. Three. There's three times that I can find in the Bible where anger is okay. The first is Ephesians chapter 4. This temporary, before the sun goes down, do not sin anger for people to deal with. Number two, it's the righteous anger of God the Father. And number three, it's the anger of God the Son, Jesus Christ. And that's it. Those are the three. I'm not God the Father, so all of those verses I can't use. <laughs> I'm not God the Son, so all of those verses I can't use. I always, I, one of my favorite memes on the internet is a picture of Jesus flipping over tables in the temple and whacking people with a cord. And it says, you know, sometimes the answer to WWJD, what would Jesus do, is flipping over tables and whacking people with a cord. <laughs> Right? And it's like, yeah, there's that permission again for me to do something that I'm actually not called to do. It's something God the Son did. So there's God the Father's anger. There's God the Son's anger. And then I, as a human being, seem to have some little bit of permission. But it's massively short. See, and all the other verses that talk about human anger in the Bible are always directly correlated with sin. Always. Always. All of these verses about human anger are always directly related to sin. Let me just read a few of them. Like in Psalm 37, verse 8, it says, Don't give in to worry or anger. It only leads to trouble. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 9, it says, Keep your temper under control. It is foolish to harbor a grudge. The words of Jesus himself from Matthew chapter 5, verse 22 says, But I promise you that if you are angry with someone, you will have to stand trial. Colossians 3, verse 8 says, Now set aside all of these things, such as anger, rage, malice, slander, and obscene language. The anger, when it comes to human beings, <laughs> is always associated as sin. <laughs> except for this little tiny window that we have to process and to deal and to give it back to God as quickly as we humanly can. See, when we give the devil a place in our heart, when we give the devil a foothold, we automatically step onto a very dangerous path. We step onto a path that doesn't lead to godly righteousness. 
It leads to human self-righteousness. And we see again and again and again, whenever, whether it's an issue of anger, whether it's an issue of lust, whether it's an issue of pride, whether whatever the issue, the sin issue is, whenever we give the devil a foothold on this sin issue, it never goes in a good direction. It never goes in a good direction. And I was praying about this this week, knowing I was going to be talking about this topic, and I've had a lot of conversations with people from our church struggling, just as I have struggled, on this topic of anger and dealing with those people, dealing with all these people around us that are making our lives so difficult, whether in our families, whether in our schools, whether in our workplace, whether due to this pandemic. And the people who I've noticed who give a foothold, that give a room, that give a place to the devil because they hang on to it too long, I can actually start to see the destruction happening around them. Just a couple of examples. Division. I've seen so much division in people's lives over the last two years. And I'm not just talking church division. Praise God, we've not had a lot of that as a church. We've had some, but not a lot. But where I see division happening is in friends and family. Family members not speaking to each other over a vaccine. Family. You're not talking to your family over how you get a vaccine or not, or whether you wear a mask or not. Friends who don't speak to one another anymore, blocking people that you've known for years on social media and not speaking anymore. You see, that's a foothold. That's a place of the enemy where suddenly when we're not speaking to people we love anymore, that we've created division we also see distraction. Like when I think of all the resources and time and energy that so many church leaders have had to put and invest and deal with the pandemic, well, it distracts from the actual mission of the church. Like I've had many people over the last couple of years ask me, Kevin, how come you're not, going to, how come you're not protesting this? And how come you're not doing this? And how come you're not fighting the government about that? And why aren't you showing up to these meetings? And why aren't you doing that? It's like, because that's not my job. My job is to tell people about Jesus <laughs> and to equip people in their faith with Jesus so that you can reach more people for Jesus. Now, I get it. Some people are called to go and do those things. And if God calls you to it, that's a great and honorable and good thing. But make sure you're called to it. Because if you're not, it becomes a distraction. And I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of Christians, who I know exactly what they believe about vaccines and masks and government and all of those things. But if I were to go on their social media, I have no clue what they think about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Nothing. I I could not tell you if they were a follower of Jesus or not after spending an hour on their social media page. Distracted from the mission of God. And then sadly, I think the third thing what happens when we give the devil a foothold, a place, a room in our heart, is we then now discredit our witness. 
that suddenly we can't even tell people about Jesus anymore. Because they won't listen to us because they see all this other anger and all this other hostility in our lives. So how can we ever bring to people a message of hope and a message of reconciliation, a message of love and a message of peace when all they see in us is anger and judgment and hostility? We've lost credit. (laughs) We're discredited. In your anger, do not sin Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not let the sun go down. Do not let the sun go down. Being offended is inevitable. I can't even count anymore the number of times I have been upset with someone over the last two years. (laughs) It's uncountable. But it cannot linger. It has to be dealt with because living offended is a choice. See, the way you and I are called to live as followers of Jesus, look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, right? It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You know, in that brief moment when we're offended, when we're dealing with our anger, and we've got a little bit of time to deal with this anger, I've come to find personally the best way for me to get out of anger is to jump right to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Again, when I have been very, very angry, and I have been, with some people who have been very, very angry at me over the last couple of years. And I want to just start defending myself. Oh, you don't understand, and you don't know why I made this decision, and this is why I did this, and this is why I did this, and this is why I did this. Be very, very easy to defend. But what I do instead is go, no, no, no. How can I help them? (laughs) What is beneficial for building them up? (laughs) How do I need to speak in such a way, even though I'm mad now, even though I'm offended right now, even though I feel like defending myself right now, it's like, well, what's their need? Why are they acting this way? Why are they responding this way? And how can my words actually benefit them? And and that takes practice. And I personally have had a lot of opportunity to practice it over the last two years. And I'm sure you've had lots of opportunity to practice this over the last couple of years as well, too. How do we live out this Ephesians 4 of 29? That I'm not going to let this unwholesome talk coming out, right? What is unwholesome talk? Well, I'm not going to belittle them. I'm not going to badmouth them. I'm not going to be judgmental. I'm not going to call them an idiot, right? That's a big one especially among Christians. When Christians are talking smack and talking bad to one another about one another, Jesus, his righteous anger, some of his harshest words are against that. Do not call a brother or sister raka, an idiot, a moron, a fool. Because if you do, you're in the danger of the fire of hell. That's because you got this placehold this foothold, this place that you give the enemy in. We don't let any unwholesome talk, even when they hurt us, even when we're right. (laughs) That's the worst one, but I'm right. (laughs) It's okay to be right, 
but not attacking them. Because then it goes from being right to being right self-righteous. And that's a dangerous, slippery slope. Right? Verse 31, get rid of it. Get rid of all bitterness, of all rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. You know, this verse here doesn't say to be um, arrogant in our moral superiority. Uh, The verse here doesn't say to be critical of everyone who thinks differently than us. Um, It doesn't say be harsh when you're dealing with fools and idiots and people that are just making the dumbest decisions you've ever heard of. It doesn't say to do any of that. It says in verse 32, to be kind, to be compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. I love how Paul does this in so much of his writing, how whenever he talks about human sin and he talks about the need for humans to forgive one another, most of the time he ties it right back into the gospel, into the good news of Jesus. The reason you and I are capable of forgiving those people is because you and I are forgiven people. The reason we can forgive those people is because we are forgiven people. When we forget what we have been forgiven of, then it's very, very easy to live offended lives, angry lives. But when we remember, when I remember my sin that God saved me from, my pride, my arrogance. I was actually, we were just having this fun family conversation last night and uh, I don't even remember how it came up, but somehow we started talking about the way I lived in college. I don't like to talk about how I used to live in college because I was not a nice person back then. I was usually drunk Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. I was not a nice guy back in those days. But even that person who was mean and selfish and only thought of himself, yet everyone thought he was this really nice guy, God even forgave that, that sin, that lifestyle, that arrogance. I've shared this story before that I used to have my locker right beside me in college was a Christian girl who prayed for me every single day for the three years we were at that college together. And I mocked her daily for her faith when I was in college. And her prayers, I'm convinced, changed my life. And God forgave a sinner like me who deserved to be separated from God for all eternity, who deserved to be punished for the way he treated people and thought of people. I was one of those people. Just like you were one of those people in your own sin. And God loved you so much that he set you free from that sin, that Jesus died for you, that the Holy Spirit came into your life to make you new and to empower you to live differently than the world. And so when we remember that, when we remember that God forgave us, then it just helps us 
to deal with those people. To deal with those people. How do, so how do, what's a way that we can do this? I just want to give you one more verse here to kind of help you make this a little bit more practical. Because it's challenging. I get it. it. And it can take a little bit of practice. I, I, I'm, I, I'm far from perfect in this. Trust me. Ask my wife. She will tell you. Ask the people who are closest to me. They will tell you. I do not always get this right. I'm not the hero of this story. I'm just a guy who's trying to figure this out as a guy who's been angry a lot over the last couple of years. But what I've been doing is I've been jumping into Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. How do I be reminded of the good news of Jesus? How do I deal with those people in my life? Is this is my, I've prayed this prayer a lot. Search me, God. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You see, God knows my heart. <laughs> God, and God knows when I've hung on to my anger and my offense longer than I should have. God knows even before I know if I maybe have given the devil a foothold, a place, a room in my heart. So, if the devil might have a place in my heart, well, then I ask God, because right from his word, search me, God, and know my heart. What's in there that shouldn't be in there? What do I need to apologize for? What do I need to repent of? What do I need to renounce? What do I need to let you, God, bring some healing into my life so that you can bring me, that you can lead me to the way everlasting? I think this is definitely one of those verses, if you're the type of person to put verses on your fridge, <laughs> I think this is a great one to have, <laughs> to look at this one daily if you need it. Search me, oh God. Over the last 14 days, I've probably prayed this one eight times. <laughs> Every time the government website would change on me. <sighs> Search me, oh God. Or I would phone the hotline and they would say, yeah, you don't need to do that. But the piece of paper here says I do need to do this. Oh, that's, that's fine. Don't look at the paper. So what's your name and your badge number so I can know this? So if look, I get arrested, I can quote you. Search me, oh God. <laughs> Search me, oh God. Because you know my heart. See, and that is such a crucial part when it comes to whether it's the sin of anger or any sin in our lives. See, the fact that Jesus died for that sin, see, it starts with that heart transformation. It starts with turning from that sin and turning back to God. And we can do that just by praying a prayer like this. Search me, O God. Show me the sin that I have. Forgive me of that sin. Come into my life. Lead me in the way everlasting. You know, and if you pray this prayer, like these words in Psalm 139, 23 to 24, if you pray this for the very first time, if you've never welcomed Jesus into your heart before, this is a great prayer to pray to do that today. To ask for the forgiveness of God in your life. 
And if you do that online, a pop-up shows up, please connect with us. We would love to do that. Uh, Connect with you, get some free resources to you. If you do that here in person, come and let me know after the service because we can celebrate and pray with you. But this is, this is the goal. This is, I, th- I really firmly believe this. A good, solid, biblical understanding of anger is crucial. <laughs> is crucial in a world, in a culture. I don't know about you, but it feels like to me the world is getting angrier and angrier and more and more offended and offended. I can't even go onto Twitter and say I didn't like the last episode of the book of Boba Fett. Because as soon as I do that, I'm not even kidding. I've received a death threat for not liking a show on Disney+. Plus. What is wrong with the world we're living in? It's offended by everything. And you and I, we will be offended. Becoming, being offended is inevitable. But we have to have a good, solid understanding of anger. To not live angry lives. Because living offended is a choice. The call of the church is to be kind and to be compassionate, forgiving others, just as Christ forgave us. Let's pray. Father God, I praise you and I thank you uh, for these words that have been so personally helpful to me over the last few weeks. And God, I praise you for uh, the teaching of your word that is very meaningful and relevant for our lives. And Father, um, I pray that the truth of your word would be true not just in our minds and we wouldn't just acknowledge it as, wow, that was some good teaching. That was, wow, I never knew that about this. God, I pray that you would use these verses to change us for those like myself who have been struggling with anger over this past season, that you would heal them of that, that you would set them free from the anger, that you would remove any foothold that the spiritual enemy has on their heart as you've done that many times in my own life. And God, may we be men, women, boys, and girls that are just filled with compassion and joy and love and forgiveness because we are forgiven people. And so God, I pray that you would continue to use us for your glory. And God, as we continue to worship in this place, I pray, Father, that you would just minister to each of us so that we would be built up and encouraged and equipped by the power of your presence, Father, as we sing praises to you. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.